oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x fippin' whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't tryna steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, Turn two. What they do? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast brought to you by rotofanatic.com. I'm your host, Matt Williams. You can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. And joining me on the show as always is Mr. Brian Seymour. What is up, Brian? Not a lot, man. We are in the final stages. What, we got like a week and a half until the season's over, only a couple more fab periods for those of you in fab leagues, a couple more sets of your lineups. Uh, Yeah, do you feel like your position been pretty well matt yeah how do you feel about the last last week and a half or so here i've got um about half my leagues i'm in the top three um the other half <laughs> i had some bad injuries go wrong this year but i i've i'm in uh yeah i'm in contention in quite a few i'm gonna be eking it out they're all very very close um the one that i'm keeping an eye on the most is actually Wars draft and hold where i'm like neck and neck um uh with a with a couple of people and uh that we'll just have to see how that goes. Uh, my starting pitching has, I, I've talked about this in the show before, so everyone kind of has an idea. Kenta Maeda went down and uh, Pablo Lopez went down and then Turk Skubal started being, they started throwing him out there for three innings at a time. And then Freddie Peralta started being thrown out there. <laughs> I'm just getting screwed and I need wins so bad. This week I had to start, this is like my ERA and whip are kind of set but they can, they're still vulnerable, but I needed wins so bad because I'm literally in a three-way tie right now for wins and I'm tied in first uh, place overall, but I'm tied in wins uh, with two people. So I started uh, Miles Mikolas, who goes today, and I also started uh, against the Brewers, but against Brad Anderson. So I'm fighting chance, uh, 50-50 at best. And then I also have, uh, who do I have going? Merrill Kelly against the Braves. Oh boy. So, uh, I have, a, I think I, have I started a, him in one league. Yeah. I think I started him against them in one league. It's, too. it's not the worst thing. It's, it's definitely not an ideal matchup for sure. But um, this time of year, uh, I, I mean, like I said, I'm in a three-way tie for wins. If I can, if I can get one win, I gain two points. So, I mean, I need to throw out, I just, I running out of starting pitching. It's draft and hold. I can't stream people. So I'm basically right. out there. Marcus Stroman couldn't get me a win yesterday. Uh, I'm out there with uh, Corbin Burns and Sean Manet as my only other two starters, so I need some help. Well, top three in half your leagues is definitely a good ratio. I, I, I like to be in that range. That's where I feel like I am. I'm pretty much right around there in a lot of the draft and holds I'm in. So just, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm fully in like 2022 prep, so I'm excited to kind of continue on with our ADP, NFBC ADP journey here today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For everyone who has been following along, you know what we're doing. If you're joining in a little late, we are going through uh, ADP review and preview. And what I mean by that is we're going to go through the NFBC, that is the high stakes leagues ADP from the preseason. We're going by position and going through one at a time to kind of review how the player did and preview how we think they'll be valued going into next season. So a little bit of something for everybody. 
and we're on everybody's favorite position today. There's absolutely no position that anyone loves drafting or analyzing more than catchers. Am I right, Brian? I think you're right about that. And, you know, it. yeah, people certainly detest two catcher leagues, which is, of course, you know, what we're looking at when we look at the NFBC and stuff like that. But I think it adds in some you know, crazy strategy. And I actually do like delving into this because there's so many people that are dead set against drafting a catcher in the first couple rounds. And then there are people who um, like, I know bat flip crazy is a guy who had no problem taking JT rail Muto early last year. So I kind of like it because it's a position that offers a lot of strategy talk. That is, unless you're in like a one catcher league, then it's just like, whatever, treat them like kickers, I guess, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't enjoy it. Uh <laughs> I don't yeah. enjoy it at all. I think two catcher leagues, I don't know who invented them, but there's a special place in hell for you, whoever invented those. And those are actually, that the, might be Dan O'Krent and that might be the rotisserie boys back in the day in the eighties that actually put this game to paper. That might've been who it was. I'm not sure. I think they're the originators. So I guess we have to blame them. What's wrong with you people? There's no, there's no baseball team starting two catchers. Why don't we got to start two catchers? Why are you forcing <laughs> this upon us? Um, right. But all right, dumping right into the ADP, the overwhelming number one catcher overall was JT Real Muto in all formats. Does not matter where you play. Uh, he had the first base catcher eligibility. Not that that matters. You're never starting him at first base. Um, do you th- do you think anyone who drafted him? this season is disappointed because obviously you didn't get the return on investment you're hoping for you, but you still got, you're going to end up with around, uh, you're going to end up with a decent average. Um, you know, you're going to end up in like 15 ish home runs and, and, uh, and, uh, what do you call it? Still on basis. So that's more or less what you were hoping to get. Right. I mean, I mean, you so, wanted a little power, a little speed, uh, not, I mean, it's underperforming, but, uh, can you be like disappointed? It's a really good question. I'm sure there will be some people that are disappointed. I have lots of JTR and I am not one of them that's disappointed. I mean, because, you know, where you took him, um, I would have needed a much bigger failure than that. Like, this is still great at catcher. So did he maybe return value for where you took him in this? Whatever. I think it was like third, fourth round is where he was going. 53 overall. Yeah. On ADP for an FBC. Um, to offer these kind of numbers for your homers and steals, I'm totally fine with. Sure, I would have liked a little more. You look back at 2019 when he had that awesome year, 25 homers, but he made up for it with some steals this year. This is his highest stolen base total of his career, actually, only by one, but still better than he's been doing the last few years. Uh, and the rate stats are pretty much right in line. Um, slugging's a little low, so I'm not disappointed. This is, yeah, maybe slightly off pace, but... I'm all right with that investment. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I think it's just fine, but I, I get why some people would feel disappointed about it. I think he still goes high next year, obviously not as the number one catcher, but where do you think he goes? I mean, um, he's got to drop, I assume. All right. So there's a couple of guys we have to talk about in tandem. So we're going to be going out of order probably this entire time. So when you talk about JT Ramuto for next year, I think you have to talk about two other catchers. Um, well, possibly more, but I think two are the most interesting one, obviously being, Salvador Perez, who had 46 right. home runs. I don't think there are anyone who thinks he's not going to be the number one catcher off the board next year. I highly doubt anyone thinks this is going to happen again next year. But that being said, um, without looking, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, Brian, and that would make this really lame. Where do you think Salvador Perez ranks in terms of runs created plus for catchers? And JT Romuto, uh, those two, uh, where do you think they rank? In terms of runs created plus? Um for anyone who doesn't know, by the way, runs created plus. It, it basically um, is it, it's it's the most accurate 
one statistic measurement of your offensive output. The league average is 100. Any point above 100 is a percentile. Any below, um, any point below is a percentile. So let's say you're 110. That means you are 10% better than the league average at your position. So that's weighted runs created plus. I'd have to say Sal Perez is number one. And I'm going to say that JTR might be a little bit further down the list. I don't know what number to give, but I don't think he's number two. Uh, JT Ramuto comes in at number 10 Whoa. Uh, with a 111, but Salvador, Salvador Perez coming in at a, coming in at number six, um, wow. being outproduced by, even with 46 home runs, batting 276 with 46 home runs, being outproduced by Mike Zanino, uh, Will Smith, <laughs> Will Smith, Buster Posey, Mitch Garver, and uh, oh Yasmani Grandal. Obviously, this is... Um, not a cumulative um, statistic. This doesn't take right. into effect um, actual volume <laughs> because, you know, they're obviously like Mitch Garver only has 200 plates, 218 plate appearances, uh, whereas Salvador Perez has 625. That's part of his value. So don't take this at face value, everyone listening. No one's trying to suggest that those catchers are better or more valuable in fantasy uh, because Salvador Perez, for example, his volume is like arguably more important than even his home runs. Uh, his ability to get at bats is, is his thing. But uh, that took me still by surprise, <laughs> him being sixth. I, I figured Will Smith would be high up there. That's, that's who I was thinking maybe he was number one. But, yeah, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, now, you're right that I think we have to talk about these guys in tandem. And Sal Perez was the number two uh, ADP catcher last year. He was going 88th roughly overall in main events with – kind of a widespread as high as 62 as late as 121. It's funny that that came in towards the end. Um, there was a while because I had a lot of Sal Perez because mm-hmm. uh, I, I would think for the good majority of the preseason in most other leagues and other formats, even like, you know, DCs or OCs uh, or just, you know, home leagues, any place you want to go. I think Grandal was right up there. Contreras, Will Smith was right up there. Um, so I don't, Salvador Perez, uh, I think here it says JT was taken around 53rd, Sal at 88. I mean, I was able to take Salvador Perez as the fourth, fifth catcher off the board a lot. That's why I had so many shares of him, but obviously the main events are sharp. Um, and he ended up moving up maybe because like he said, those at bats are very uh, valuable. I think you're dead on. Yeah, I remember that. He was definitely not the universal number two catcher throughout the majority of the offseason. Um, I was taking, I think, Wilson Contreras possibly over him, um, Grandal. Uh, yeah, there was, a, there was a couple guys. I mean, obviously, he wasn't far off. But so right now, we're starting to finally – I say finally. It's September 22nd. But finally see some mock drafts come in for 2022, which I've been amped about. And we're seeing Sal going maybe late second, early third. Do you think that's where we are, you know, four months from now or so? Where where do you think? Obviously, he's the number one catcher barring anything happening. But do you think that's – are you comfortable taking him at his new price? I am not. Uh, I'm not saying he's not worth it. If, if he – He's not going to hit 46 home runs again, but if right. man, if he gets over 600 player appearances and hits 30, uh, that's perfectly fine to take him there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in a, I'm in a mock draft right now where he went as the first pick of the third round in the 12 team Roto. Um, he went again, third. So basically end of second, beginning of third. I took JT Romuto as the second catcher off the board more as a discussion point for today um, in the, let me hope. Let me double check to make sure. I, I think it was the seventh round. I saw your tweet round. earlier and I was going to comment. Yeah, I forgot. I think yeah, it was grabbed, like the yes, seventh round. Yeah, so end of second, beginning of third for Sal. I grabbed JT in the seventh, 
which I'm not necessarily sure I will have many shares of JT. And I think in the seventh, it makes tons of sense. I think there's no way he lasts that long, in my opinion. But back when we started talking about JT Romuto, who again right now is batting um, as, as of right now, 265, 15 home runs, 13 stolen bases. I mean, the, the runs in RBIs are obviously going to fluctuate, but for a player like Ray, Real Muto, who also gets value from volume and with the NLDH will have even more. I think people, mm-hmm. as time goes on, will be reminded of that and he'll move up in ADP because of that. The player besides Salvador Perez we want to talk about here is Dalton Varsha because um, you draft Real Muto because of his volume and because of his stolen bases. That is actually what you get from Varsho, and that's what a lot of people were excited last year because he can play the outfield, but then, of course, you can still play him at your catcher. And to reach 15 home runs and 13 stolen bases is taking JT Realmuto 501 plate appearances. Dalton Varsho, in only 270, has 11 home runs and six stolen bases. Uh, they'll be, I mean, this will not be a secret. Everyone will be in on him. I have no idea how high he's going to go because we're going to talk about other interesting and much safer options at catcher. But as far as ceiling, uh, if I will not take Jay real Muto um, high up, if like, you know, we'll have to see, we'll just have to see where the ADP settles because uh, it's, there's a very strong possibility as far as like not real baseball value, but fantasy value. The Varsho is right there neck and neck with real Muto just because of the stolen base potential. I think it definitely could happen. And, you know, you make a great point about the NLDH, and that's something that we're all going to have to just bump these NL catchers up. You know, I think of Wilson Contreras certainly too. But, yeah, with Varsho talking about the speed, um, to me, you know, it looks like the the D-backs are wanting to get him into the lineup. I guess what I'm questioning is, you know, with Carson Kelly also in the fold, are they going to be comfortable continuing to play him in the outfield? Like, do, do we do, basically because of the multi-position eligibility? Remember, they'll be the DH two gonna... for Arizona, so they'll they'll have the luxury of being True. able to move people around too. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, it doesn't. I guess that's kind of redundant. But yeah, I mean, um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, I don't think he's going to provide the rate stats that Real Muto will. I don't think anybody would be arguing that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, I that's... should say, I I, I think it's. Before, it's Real Muto was, an, I don't want to say a unicorn, but because of the stolen bases and the volume, he was like head, in many people's opinion, head and shoulders giving you things other catchers shouldn't. All of a sudden, you have Salvador Perez reminding anyone, by the way, I can have as many plate appearances as anyone in baseball. And then you have Varsho, <laughs> like, hey, I have the skill set to give you the power and speed too. Not to mention he has a, a higher walk rate and a lower strikeout rate than uh, Real Muto. I'm not suggesting Varsho gets taken close to him. It's just that... Right. The all of a sudden JT Romuto's um, skill set isn't as unique as you thought. I think that that could lead to him not being taken. Like I think in the past he was taken too high. I'm hoping. I'm like I said, I got him in the seventh round. If he somehow gets discounted, I will gladly take the safety of JT Romuto, who I am very confident will give me a, a strong stat line. So I guess that's where I, I finish up. Is we we have to see where the ADP um, goes here. Maybe people will. Will you know try to bump some helium on Varsho and maybe Real Muto will take a step back because of the overall stat lines don't look as impressive. But um, I'm actually more excited to take Real Muto this year than uh, I ever have been. But of course, it's based on very early results. <laughs> I feel the same way as you. Yeah, I think it's going to be suppressed and that um, people aren't going to be thinking of him as much with the emergence of these other guys because the last few years it really was Real Muto and then everybody else at catcher. I mean, that's really who everybody wanted. But now. 
it's just, and I, I, I think if anybody is saying that it's Sal Perez and everybody else now, you're just wrong and overreacting basically. But, you know, it's, it's much more, I think we're a lot more bunched up now as far as catchers are going to go here. So it's going to be really interesting, but I do, I, yeah, I definitely like what we might see as far as the value on Real Muto. Real Muto. I mean, I feel, I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see how analysts go here. I, I feel like there'll be some kind of a thing where, he just gets bumped down to some kind of boring level. I mean, you look at like X Woba because I mean, we were talking from a practical purposes of what he offers um, as far as speed and plate appearances. If you look at like Statcast as far as like X Woba, he um, among catchers with at least 200 balls in play, he, he ranks ninth, barely in front of Tyler T- Stevenson, behind Sean Murphy, behind Jan Gomes, behind Carson Kelly. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's not this year wasn't fantastic for him. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just super. I'm, I'm very interested to see where he goes because, um, the you know, it, uh, he's he had so so much helium in the past couple of seasons. Like we said, being drafted 53rd overall uh, with a min pick of 40. So um, yeah, we're not going to see that this year. Uh, we'll just have to see if. Uh, do you think he'll be the clear cut number two, or do you think that he no. will be? Um, do you think like because last year it was it was real Muto and then like a mini. Um, a mini group that were kind of just taken in, in a, like, you know, in succession um, this year, do you think it'll be uh, Salvador Perez, JT Romuto, then the group, or do you think Romuto will be more towards the pack? I think it might be more towards the pack. Yeah. We're going to get into a couple of the names that I think might be in there, but just kind of hearing what some people are thinking so far, just on some other podcasts I've listening, listened to because people are getting into next year and stuff like that. I think we might have rail Muto, not like just on his own as number two. So it's, it's going to be interesting, but I think he might be more of a bunch. All right. Next up on the, in the ADP uh, was Salvador Perez. We already talked about him at length. Um, well, we'll just do a quick, a quick uh, opinion. Do you think he's worth going at the, the second, third round turn? It's such a complicated question because, you know, you, you got to talk about what league you're in. If you're in an NFBC, and I, that's what I'm going to focus on what I'm talking here, a 15-teamer and two catchers. If you plug in the projections that you think you're going to get from Salvador Perez, he's going to be borderline a first-round pick when you assign auction dollars to it mm-hmm. because of the scarcity of catcher, which is unmatched by any other position. Um, that doesn't mean you just blindly do it. You need to pay attention to what the market is. So, Man, it's going to be so. This is why I think this conversation is interesting because um, it could kind of make or break the team that you draft him on. You know, depending upon what he does. If he hits thirty homers again, you know, like like you're saying, even that, that's still, <laughs> I mean, a huge discount on performance, but still amazing. So, um, can I can I, I add I think, something to so you, yeah. you can rebut on it? My whole and I love Sal. I can add a lot of shares this season because of all the reasons he's doing well. No one predicted the home runs, but the uh, he had some power and, he, and he's getting the plate appearances. The nationally getting the DH is going to change things a lot. That in early drafts, people aren't going to compensate for enough. So there's there's value to be had in early drafts. Uh, Will Smith already gets a lot of plate appearances, uh, but you add like the DH to the National League, all of a sudden, let's say Will Smith gets more bats, although they have plenty of people that could use the DH. There's no guarantee it goes to him. Uh, but, you know, if if Salvador Perez goes from 46 to 30 home runs, man, even a guy like Wilson Contreras, I mean, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be a lot of people that will be having enough at bats to get to that 30 home run threshold. I don't want to say easily, but yeah, maybe easily. 
Uh, I think people forget mm-hmm. that if you extrapolate out some of what some of these catchers can do, 30 home runs isn't necessarily horribly, you know, crazy impressive. It's impressive for a catcher because usually you don't have as many at bats and you have the wear and tear on your knees. But if you're getting a break from that, uh, there will be a lot of people coming up. So that is why I'm, I would be completely out on Salvador Perez in second, third, maybe even fourth round, because I, I don't expect him to even approach 40 home runs again. I think this was just a year for him. You know, it was, just, it's just yeah, been, it's been an amazing year. And I think if he comes back to that pack with 30, uh, you know, the, he'll, he'll be in there with just everyone else and him being drafted that far ahead. Um, like, you know, if the, if the spread is where we think now, like, again, I get JT in the seventh. I mean, where do the rest go? They start to go in round 10, uh, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> nine, 10, there's no way, uh, I I'm paying the premium on Perez, unless you think that, you know, for some reason he, <laughs> he's just kind of bombs away, which I can't see how you can. Uh, I think he's, I think he's an easy pass at ADP because I could just see so many people catching him. Yeah, it's and you're certainly right that this is helium from a year that will likely not be repeated. So, and as a you know, I've talked about that a lot on this podcast. As a general rule, I don't like to participate in that. I mean, he he does have a long track record. We know he's a great hitter, but you're right. We got to remember that all of these National League catchers, you've got to put on the same pedestal as far as at bats, you know, most likely, or some of these guys anyway. Um, and that's going to bunch things up a bit. So if he's going way, way above the rest, I think that's, I think people are mistaken in that. All right. The, the next, uh, pick, the next player up is uh, Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs in theory. I mean, they're breaking down the team like crazy. He could always move, but um, his, his value wouldn't change much regardless. He's sitting right now. And for, as far as we're on created plus, like I was saying at 15th at one Oh six, he's batting two twenty eight. But with 20 home runs and five stolen bases, those five stolen bases are somewhat of an anomaly. I wouldn't count on those. Uh, they just, you know, are a bonus. 21 home runs, 57 runs, 49 RBIs. Does have 456 plate appearances. So as far as getting regular time behind the plate, there's actually not too many, uh, which is maybe something we should talk about. Between injuries and uh, plat- heavier platoons nowadays, people, you know, just older catchers getting days off. I mean, here's how many catchers got over 450 plate appearances this year. Uh, Yadier Molina at 450. <laughs> uh, Wilson Contreras, Will Smith, Christian Vasquez, JT Romuto, and, and Salvador Perez. That's it. So, again, him just being out there and every day has value in itself. So, um, maybe a, a plate appearance, like your dollar for dollar for plate appearance, he's not fantastic. Uh, you know, if you're in a daily league, you probably can afford to platoon a couple of guys, even cheaper, but you know, as far as uh, practical weekly lineups, how do you like uh, Wilson Contreras going into next year? I like Contreras a lot. I mean, we are seeing definitely the two things that are a little concerning this year is um, really kind of tanking out and batting average only at 228. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the lowest BABIP of his career as well. I'm noticing it's an elevated strikeout rate. Um, but also his walk rate's a bit higher too. So um, he is 29 now. So I, I think he may be a guy that benefits from the DH a ton um, because, you know, he's just, he's a great defensive catcher, obviously. And he's been back there just repeatedly being beaten up. And you have to wonder how much that might affect some of these offensive numbers for sure. Um, I, I like him. I think he will, not be that sexy of a name, but you know, you got to remember in these 15 team leagues, starting two catchers, um, a guy who can hit 20 home runs and has shown that he can do it multiple times before is still 
wildly valuable. So I'm, I'm probably going to be right back in on him and double down. And I think we're going to get a really nice price probably on him. So I, I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Well, it's, this actually is a good guy to bring up this question for, because uh, it'll be more obvious for other, other players, but for, for Wilson Contreras, the DH coming to the national league, will it benefit him enough? Because if we think, you know, obviously if he sticks with the Cubs, they, you know, there's only so many decent hitters they have. So it would stand to reason he'll, he'll benefit. Um, if he were to move on, it would completely change. But is he a guy that you think is a good enough hitter where he will get that definite benefit from being in the lineup um, as a hitter? Like as a DH, because there'll be some, there'll be some catchers where everyone will be like, oh, the NLDH is coming. The catcher is going to get more bats. And some of them are just going to get days off like normal because, you know, there's someone on the bench that they're always, you know, there's teams that are always going to have uh, better, uh, you know, pure hitters that are bad defensive players or just deep, better hitters than the catcher uh, in that general. Sense, you know yeah. what I mean? I don't think the Cubs will have that problem next year, but yeah, there, there's definitely going to be other teams that you're right about that though. There are other teams that that is going to be the question where it's like, well, this really impact the guy more than maybe a handful of games or so. So I think Contreras, I mean, I, I could see, I could definitely see them wanting to keep him in the lineup, especially if his bat perks up a little bit in terms of consistency. Um, you know, you don't want to see him hitting 220, but again, you know, when you're catching that much, that can happen. So I, yeah, for him, I think he would actually benefit from it because I'm just not sure who else the Cubs are really going to put in there. Yep. I agree. Um, I agree with you. I, I actually, I think, uh, as it stands, I think he's going to end up being, um, one of my favorite, if you're going after a top catcher, I think he'll end up being one of my favorite values because I think they'll, there's some, some nice regression coming from just, just a career norms. Uh, and if he gets those, if he gets that bump at a bats, uh, yeah, the volume will be there real nice. I think he'd be my top candidate to like make Salvador Perez, uh, manager scratch their head. Why did I take this guy in the third when Wilson Contreras is doing close to the same thing in like, you know, the 10th. Yeah, I, t I totally agree with you. Yeah. The more we talk about him, the more I like it actually. So I'm with you on this one. Uh, number four is Will Smith, who I actually wrote an entire article in the preseason for NBC on how um, I thought it was a no brainer to take Salvador Perez over Will Smith. Will Smith having a fine year. My arguments were shockingly Salvador Perez is constantly getting at bats and people wrote off his one season. He was out as for him being injury prone, even though he had never really missed a game before that. And I was worried that Will Smith would lose at bats to can't even think his name. <laughs> Who's the other catcher uh, on the top? Barnes, Austin yeah, Barnes. Yeah, Austin Barnes, who they love. You know, the pitching staff loves him. And they were just, right. oh, he was always going to get at bats. Uh, that being said, Will Smith is being drafted as the number four catcher at 122. And you're definitely not disappointed if you drafted him. I mean, 467 plate appearances. He got he's been 268, 377 on base, 517 slugging, and a 460, uh, again, again, 467 um plate appearances. So the only issue there is I, I don't know if he'll be overdrafted with people hoping he gets that bump from the DH with everyone forgetting that the Dodgers have an embarrassment of riches and the DH will likely not go to the catcher very often. That's a great point. Yeah, this is like playing the opposite game with the Cubs situation with Contreras because the Dodgers have right now, I mean, they can't even get everybody in the lineup. So um, count me as one of the people that was overly discounting how much Will Smith might play. I wish I had more shares than I do. I think a lot of us overthought that. And it, it really, you know, uh, it, it really came down to talent wins out. You know, I mean, this guy, 25 home runs and 467 plate appearances. 
Um, yep. th- these, these numbers are terrific. Uh, he, he clearly can get on base. He clearly is a capable hitter. He's actually good behind the plate even as well. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think the sky is the limit here. Um, unfortunately, like you said, I think everybody else will be thinking that way. And I think it might price him out of my range. I'm really curious. You know, we were talking earlier, will JTR be like the number two catcher? I don't think so because I think Will Smith actually could be in some people's eyes as well. Now, I know you're not getting the speed from him necessarily, but hey, Dodgers hitting near 30 home runs. Uh, the thought that the DH is going to help him, even though it might not him so much, I I think the price could really get inflated for Will Smith. Yeah, and I'll have to see. I mean, I'll have to see how people, how analysts try to spin this because, again, one high-end person says he doesn't like him or does like him, it goes up and down. I will say that I was trying to make the point about the DH. There's some that are just going to get a lot more plate appearances, but it still acts as a safety blanket. I think some people should try to remember that. Whereas Will Smith, um, you know, if he were to get like banged up and they wanted his bat in the lineup, instead of just being sat, you know, he could DH, you know, for some, for especially for catchers, sometimes if you get banged up, like, like oh, we're going to put him on the IL. <laughs> so mm-hmm. You may not go on the IL period and be in every day as a DH. So uh, just having point, the, yeah. Having the safety blanket is good for a lot of people, and Will Smith will be one of them. Uh, number five is Yasmani Grandal, who I would assume people were pulling their hair out for most of the year uh, with Grandal. I mean, would you be surprised if he was released in a lot of leagues, or do you think no one had the, the gumption to do that? I guarantee he was released in some leagues because he was hurt for – I mean, how much time did he miss? He missed like two months or so, wasn't it? Roughly? Yes. Uh, yeah, he missed, yeah, he missed a ton of time. It was never clear when he was going to come back. Uh, but he does come back. 334 plate appearances, 22 home runs, 60 RBIs. Uh, for all 160 weighted runs created plus, that makes him the top catcher in baseball this year. Um, batting 235, but of course with that patented 417 on base percentage. If you're an on-base percentage league, uh, by the way, he is the number one catcher, and it's not even close. Although I should say that Will Smith himself does get on base quite a bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, Yasmani Grandal going into next year, I feel like he will be discounted because people will have the injury in the back of their minds, thinking that it could possibly happen again. I mean, he's an older guy uh, in the, um, but you know, the, it's it's hard to ignore just how effective he's been and the incredible lineup he's in. You know, 60 RBIs for a catcher over 334 bat, or 334 plate appearances is pretty freaking cool. You know, so um, what uh, what do you make of uh, Grandal going into next year? Is he's is is he someone where um, his his age and uh, injury history is going to hold you back from him? This is a very very. I want to be careful with this one. I think it's a bit of an enigma to try to figure out because now I I've always loved Grandall um, dating back years. I had a lot of him this year. Um, this is very interesting because yeah, you have, you have the injury concern and then he comes back and does this. Like you mentioned, he's still in a great lineup. The age worries me a little bit, but I think that they will be willing to get his bat into the lineup in whatever way they can. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's played first base here and there in the past for them. Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, not a ton, but um, but so such really interesting stuff here. This could be you know small sample size a little bit, but he is walking more than he is striking out this year. His walk rate is twenty three and a half. His strikeout rate right now is twenty two percent, um, which is just 
phenomenal. I mean, he's never, he's always walked a lot, but never like this. Now, again, that's 334 plate appearances, but still that's not far off from a full season at, you know, for some catchers. Um, yeah, by the way, uh, Grandal is, is two games away from gaining eligibility um, in first base for next year. Okay. Not that anybody will play. Him yeah. There, not that still. you play. Him I mean, <laughs> still though, very nice that they will do that with him. So um Man, I just don't know. You know, you you asked what will the market's opinion of him be. I do think there will be some stink on him. I think that people will remember the injury more so than this insane comeback. Um, I think it's going to be sticker shock where they kind of look like I am right now at his Fangraphs page, and you're like, whoa, I did not realize this ended up happening. So um, I think his value will be suppressed. You know, like you said, age is a concern. I'm not going to throw that out the window. He'll be 33 by opening day. So this is one where I want to kind of tread lightly to quote Walter White. Um, but I also want to get in on it a little bit too. So th- this is, again, I'm really, I'm intrigued by this one. We'll have to see where he's going. I'm really interested in that. Uh, the next, uh, the next catcher up is, uh, yeah, I mean, a huge disappointment, <laughs> a huge disappointment, Travis Darno. Uh, he had that monster um, sample size in 2020, which was obviously very short. And everyone who's followed his career, me as a Mets fan, obviously have an insight into that. We know how how well he can hit if given the opportunity. Um, you know, in, tw- in uh, 2019, over 351 plate appearances, he had 251 uh, with 16 home runs. And then 2020, he had 321 over 165 plate appearances with nine home runs. This year, he missed a ton of time on a real fluke injury. What was like a broken finger? I believe it was uh, yes, Some, I believe. Yeah. something like yeah. that. Um, left thumb, left thumb sprain. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, you can't <laughs> you look at uh, like a JD Davis and his finger injury. I mean, sometimes you can't just grip, you can't grip bat, you know, I mean, there's things that go that way. Uh, so again, this is nothing that's um, part of his injury history other than him, like having the, having the reputation of being made of glass. He comes back, he's 175 at bats this year. He's been only 225 with a 287 on base does have seven home runs and 11 doubles, which isn't too bad as far as an extra base uh, standpoint. He's going to be getting discounted heavily, but the possibility of him um, contributing uh, at, a, at a much higher level, like the return on investment is certainly going to be there for him. And he is someone where, again, I don't know what Atlanta has up their sleeves, Um you know, they for uh, you know, as far as defensive replacements and things like that, but Travis Darno certainly seems like someone who should benefit from the DH. Um, maybe not like he's he won't be the de facto guy that gets put in there on a day off, you know, like a uh, like a JT Romuto, but he'll certainly get a, a many more at bats than he would have given, uh, you know, any you know, given otherwise. So, anyway, I'm rambling on. Travis Darno is he someone that you'll just cross off your list of like, I don't need this headache. Or do you kind of find him as an intriguing investment that, you know, you just have to have a backup plan for? Uh, The first point, yeah, he'll definitely be crossed off my list. I mean, like this guy has really never put together a full season. Um, It's been, you know, a myriad of different injuries. So I'm not going to act like it's always the same thing or anything like that. But he, we just talked about Grandall. This guy will also be, Darno will be 33 by opening day. Um, I don't have any interest. I mean, this is, I own very little of him this year. And I'm glad because, you know, again, another nearly season ending injury, you know, it was as soon as it happened, we were looking at mid August return or so. So um, you think he'll be, you think he'll be back of the draft, like where like Omar Narvaez goes, like 
Jan Gomes. Do you think he'll be back there? Do you think people will still try to pump him up for his, uh, his, for his ceiling? I don't think he'll go quite there because he's in a, you know, fantastic ballpark and lineup. So uh, no, I don't think that will happen. I think they'll be thinking of the DH as well. Um, I'm just not going to be interested. There's no way I could continue to go to this well with the injury history, but yeah, I, I don't think he goes that far. I don't think he's like a forgotten man, but he's certainly not going to be a popular name. And again, we don't, we don't necessarily know he's going to be back in Atlanta. He is a free agent. <laughs> so uh, we will see where he ends up. But uh, yeah, Travis Darno was the next catcher off the board at number six. Number seven is, I'm, I'm sorry. Will you say something? Oh, no, I was clearing my throat. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Just had to clear that throat out. Uh, next man up is Christian Vasquez of the uh, the Boston Red Sox. I said earlier that there were only um, there were only five or there's only six catchers to reach 450 plate appearances. Number three was Christian Vasquez at 472. He's in there constantly, but the problem is he wasn't good. What <laughs> he was, I mean, he's been in 263. Uh, and on base percentage leagues, he's not doing you any favors, but he's not killing you an average. But over 472 playing appearances, he has only six home runs, does have eight stolen bases, which is a reason to have drafted him. I actually had him a lot this year, and I actually drafted him because of stolen bases. A lot of people will reach on JT Ramuto for that. I knew Christian Vasquez was going to steal some. So, again, if you're getting eight stolen bases, that's a big deal out of your catcher over a full year. You know, it's probably going to be – uh, difference maker for me for a couple of places, but again, only six home runs, 50 runs, 46 RBIs, not ideal, <laughs> obviously for, uh, you know, those other, other players in that range are giving you significantly more power. Um, he's got to be, he had to have been one of the weakest, honestly, one of the weakest catchers at the position this year. I can't think of anyone um, uh, who had regular bats that put forth a worse ratio of power to plate appearances than Christian Vasquez. But anyway, uh, being in there every day, uh, he'll probably do a little better, a little better than that next year than his 092 ISO that he put up this year. Uh, so yeah. What do you think of Christian Vasquez? I think he probably should be drafted in the same vicinity. Um, Cause I think there'll be some positive regression coming. You um, the stolen bases will still be there. The, the lineup should still be pretty good. I pretty much agree. Yeah. And I think this could be another good spot for next year. And I'm with you. I have him everywhere this year. I don't know if he was my top rostered catcher or not, but he was way up there for sure. And same thinking as you, not only the stolen bases, but just, you know, consistency, you know, hitting it a good and a good lineup and a good spot in the lineup. What's not to like, really? And I felt like he wasn't going um, at a price that he – I felt like he should have been going even higher. So I like, in a way, that this happened this year because he didn't necessarily hurt you too bad. It's not like it's disastrous. It's just kind of a little punch list. Uh, there's not a lot of power there. Really odd um, as far as that goes. The guy hit 23 home runs two years ago. So um, – I think I'm going to like the price he comes in at. I will be a buyer again. I don't think he's going to be drafted as a top 10 catcher this coming year when I think he was a lock for that last year. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good buyback opportunity, and you're right about the stolen bases and not a lot of places to get that out of catcher. So I'm, I will be in on Vasquez. He's so funny. The last three years, he bats 276, 283, 263. Not bad. Bad at 305, 341, 309. So obviously the 341 was a standout. He hit a little higher, but it came back still 263, 276 average are fine. ISO went from 201 to 173 to 092. And if you really look at how that happened, I mean, his barrel rate took a, you know, was cut in half and his, his hard hit rate was, was cut down significantly, but you try to find where that comes from. 
And his line drive rate didn't really go anywhere too much. I mean, 23 to 20 to 21 and a half. Fly ball rate, 37, 7, 38, 5, 37, 6. Homer to fly ball ratio went from 16% to 14% to 4.5. Wow. Um, but again, over a full season, obviously, maybe he got into some bad habits because of the new ball uh, earlier on that was like, you know, maybe the dragless ball was holding him back. Uh, that's something they'll probably change for next year. Uh, it, you know, I, I, he's someone I'm definitely going to be doing like a deep dive onto for sure, because I mean, his swinging strike rate was the lowest it was this year in three years. His trace rate was the best it was since 2017. He was making almost 90% contact within the zone. Everything for me, just taking like a quick look at Vasquez who still has that speed, uh, I think he he's going to probably be one of my favorite targets once again, because I think he still gets those at bats. He still gives me that speed. And I think that there'll be a, a nice power bump coming from him again. Um, again, this is nothing you're expecting power from some of the other guys we're talking about, but I certainly am, am expecting something in maybe like the mid teens, um, something like that. I, I, you know, a little, at least at minimum double what he put out this year. Yep. Uh, so yeah, next up is Gary Sanchez. I had never even considered drafting this guy and I never will. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? It's just, no. I can't, he's so flawed. I, if I want power, I'd rather stream guys. Uh, you know, you know, I'll take Elias Diaz at home and then pair him with some other guy. I think that's a great uh, thing to think about. And that's a good name that we're going to be maybe talking about coming up here, but yeah, I don't draft Gary Sanchez. I don't care what anybody thinks about that. Um, it's just a wide range of outcomes and not really a situation I want to be involved with. It's entirely too risky for me. I don't care if he ends up hitting 40 home runs one year and hits 250. That's fine, but I'm not going to participate in it. He strikes out too much. It's it's well documented. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is a solid year for anybody who invested at the price they probably got map but yeah i'm with you i, I never will well, so. well here's the thing right you get him you draft him as the eighth catcher at 176 um buster posey went at 290 they both have exactly mm-hmm. 414 plate appearances on the dot uh buster posey has 18 home runs to sanchez's 22 which you paid for the, the home runs uh so posey for having six less though is batting 299 uh whereas gary oh. sanchez is batting 208 uh, so, I mean, again, with that, that batting average, I mean, what do you, you know, what are you paying for there? You know what I mean? Right. Right. I mean, Eric yeah, Haas, catcher. Eric Haas in 347 is the same amount of home runs, uh, still batting 225. It's just, hey, 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 how about straight up Elias Diaz? I talked about platooning. Elias Diaz by himself, 346 plate appearances to Sanchez's 440, 414. Diaz has 18 home runs, batting 236. Diaz straight up was better than, uh, than Gary Sanchez this year for value. It's incredible, yeah, and, and you can you can see just from us naming these names, catcher isn't so scarce that I need to have Gary Sanchez on my roster. So there's plenty of places to go, and yeah, I don't want to belabor the point. It's just not a guy that I'm going to get involved with. Yep, I agree. Uh, one guy where I have no idea where his value will go, he'll probably be off my board because it's so a big of a question mark until I see where he gets drafted, and that is Sean Murphy of the Oakland Hayes. He had a handful of weird. He had like a deflated lung um, at, at some point. He he missed some time here and there. Right now, again, respectably has 16 home runs over 424 plate appearances. But that again is kind of par for the course for the catching position. It's nothing special. Uh, only batting 213 uh, with a 9.2 walk rate, 25.2 K percentage. So we know the power is there. 
Uh, but the only reason I would draft him is if I were drafting him at his floor, uh, which I feel like he'll have helium uh, from um, there'll be a tier. Why don't we say there'll be a tier of catchers that I think are all very similar and he'll float to the top because of his um, because of his possible ceiling. It's just a matter of if he's he going like, is he going to be the start of like a run of catchers or if he's, is he going to be going head and shoulders over them? Because um, I, I, he's nowhere near the group we've already talked about. Uh, and then he's in a, you know, is he that much better than the group we are about to talk about? I guess is the question. Right. And that's, yeah, uh, th- and that's uh, by, that's Sean Murphy, everybody. I think Sean Murphy um, may get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. A little bit going into next year. I mean, yeah, the, the injuries have been a thing obviously for quite some time. Um, I, I agree with you totally. Of course, the power is for real and he's a great catcher also, which certainly helps. Mm-hmm but you just want him to stay on the field and be healthy. Um, I used the word enigma earlier with Grandall. I think Murphy is a big time enigma. And I think the injuries are probably going to be enough to mostly scare me off this year. Um, he'll be a candidate to cross off my list. I think um, it's a shame because I would like to see him healthy and playing all the time, but yeah, there's just, as we're illustrating very clearly here, there's just too many other names weirdly enough. So yeah, I'm, I'm, not going to have a lot of interest in him i don't think many people will either i i think he's a he's a fine option for a second catcher um yes or if you are going to completely punt catchers uh in in a league that's one he's a he's a nice guy maybe take at the end knowing that uh you know in a one catcher league on the waiver wire you can you can replace him uh but um i mean there I think he'll be hyped up a little too much. I mean, he does have, I mean, his, his ex Woba, he has the second highest, I think, um, difference between Woba and ex Woba. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely some production on the table that we're not seeing possibly. I mean, again, those are descriptive and not predictive stats as far as expected data, but uh, you know, you look at a 213 batting average and a 231 action or a 234 actual uh, I'm sorry, 234 expected versus a 213 actual. And, um, you know, you're not screaming, yay, but I mean, it's, you know, it's 20 points higher. It's a, it's still a big deal. So uh, all in all, I think that he still has a 43.1% hard hit rate. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he, he bounced back. He still has a barrel rate over 10%, 11.6. So uh, I think there's plenty to like here. It's just a matter of uh, how much everyone wants to hype him up. Uh, number 10 is James McCann. I don't believe he should be drafted, period as he is in a uh, strict platoon right now with Tomas Nito, who the Mets actually uh, have a much better record with him behind the plate than McCann. There'll be plenty of people that are going to be betting. I think on McCann to have a bounce back, but I, I just, uh, the bats at, at most, he's a slight, he's slight um, platoon edge over Nito, but I think it's close enough to 50, 50 where uh, taking him as a, anything other than a bench catcher or a bottom of the barrel second catcher in two catcher formats. That's, that's the only thing I'd consider him for. I was really excited to hear your thoughts as a Mets fan. What a disastrous signing this may turn out to be. It looks like uh, this is, I, I agree with all of your sentiments there. I had plenty of James McCann this year. I was getting him around that Christian Vasquez price every now and then. And I, because I just figured, Hey, the guy got paid. Um, he's a good defensive catcher. He's going to play that's, and I, I did a lot of best balls. So that made a lot of sense to me, but this is disastrous, uh, sub 300 on base percentage. Um, yeah, I think you're totally right. I think he, uh, will maybe be some guys second catchers in the deep NFBC leagues because of his track record. But in terms of, you know, your 
12 or 15 team one catchers, definitely undraftable, I think. So not fun stuff. No, I agree with you hundred percent. You know, it's funny. You could have just drafted Danny Jansen um, and started right. him the whole year and you'd have been in better shape as far as where you got him. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, James McCann. I mean, again, the question is, do I expect him to bounce back from what he did this year? Yes. But uh, I don't know the, the bats. I'm, I am, I'm currently, I think, sit him out of anywhere near where he was last year, which I think he will be. I don't think anyone's going to make that case for that. Uh, Mitch Garver, he'll be a very, very interesting guy next year. Um, only because of, you know, how, how productive he is when he's on the field. He he'll have Ryan Jeffers to deal with. Uh, you know, Nelson Cruz isn't there now. We'll have to see what they do with the rest of the roster, whether or not Garvel will finally get some time at first base. You know, see what happens with Donaldson and Sano. We'll just have to see. I mean, his whole value is tied to what the Twins end up wanting to do because they're obviously rebuilding. So they're going to be moving more pieces. And when Mitch Garver's on the field, he actually had the second highest weighted runs created plus in all in baseball, 141 behind Grandal. He was ahead of Salvador Perez. He's ahead of Rumuto, Will Smith, ahead of Posey, ahead of everybody. He's uh, 358 on base, 251 average with 13 home runs, only 218 plate appearances. So if he's going to be in the same timeshare he was this year, yeah, you can't count on that. Uh, but I believe there'll be more at-bats on the table, which makes it hard to break him down today uh, because we have to see what the Twins are doing. If he's going to get at-bats, then um, he will be right up there, uh, I think, at the end uh, you know, in this giant group that we were, you know, kind of talking about with, uh, you know, after Vasquez, but, you know, with, with Gary Sanchez and, and um, you know, a couple of people we're about to talk about, but yeah, as of now you can't draft him, but I think that his arrow would be pointing up. I think your assessment's pretty much dead on. Yeah. And I mean, the, you know, undeniable power here, he's hit 30 home runs before um, with given enough plate appearances. I think he definitely could be a guy to hit 25, and uh, put in one of those seasons. He carries a little bit of a Gary Sanchez problem, not quite to that level, where we're really power dependent and a high strikeout rate. But he's you know shown that he can do it, and he really hasn't had anything disastrous happen. I mean, the COVID season you can pretty much throw out. He, you know, it's not enough games to really say anything about. But yeah, I I like Garver. I mean, he if he hits in the middle of a solid lineup in a hitter's park, it's obviously intriguing. But I'm with you. How much are they going to play Ryan Jeffers? How much is he going to be platooned? Um, there's enough variables to give me some pause, but I also don't want to miss out. So this is another guy where, like, I'm probably going to invest here and there, but cautiously, I would say. Yeah, well put. I mean, yeah, it just, it just I already covered this, but yeah, it depends on at bats. Ryan Jeffers struggled mightily. He only batted 198. Again, he's a rookie. He'll get better. The they're rebuilding. They want to give him an opportunity. But yeah, Garver, if he's going to have the at bats, invest because. 278 isolated power that's third in the league behind only Mike Zanino and Yasmani Grandel. Again, a higher isolated power than Salvador Perez. It was 46 home runs. Uh, so that's Mitch Garver. So he has tons of uh, power in the tank. Wilson Ramos. Uh, he shouldn't be drafted. Right. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked that his name was up that high. I forgot about that. That's well, crazy. I think it's, I, I will remember he was on Detroit and right. all of a sudden it was, it was all of a sudden, Oh, Olson Ramos is going to have every day of bats. And you know, he just actually, you know, what it's funny is he wasn't actually that bad for a little stretch and then he got injured and then they just released him. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's funny uh, that, you know, cause they had, you know, they had Jake Rogers and Eric Haas who talk about isolated power. 
they're at the they're the top two 257 and 244 obviously Haas played a little bit of other positions but anyway uh, Wilson Ramos no thank you Austin Nola he was someone that had a little bit of a helium last year people that were hoping that uh I think he was being taken around the uh, the Carson Kelly-ish area. People that s- someone was hoping might be able to take the next step. But, you know, he was derailed by injury himself and uh, never really could get going. He only ended up with 194 plate appearances, batting 272, which is great. Uh, getting on base, he's only striking out 9.8% of the time, which is good. But again, and 194 plate appearances, only two home runs and 15 runs and 29 RBI. So, uh, not very productive. So it's just a matter of, uh, do you think this will be him next year? Or do you think they'll go more and more trying to move into their like, you know, prospects? Yeah, this is, we've really never seen it in a full season from Austin Nola and there, yeah, there has been some hype around him before. And yeah, you're right. I got a couple shares of him around that. I think he was going a little, maybe after like, well, I, we just looked at it, but in some of the drafts I was doing, he'd be going a little after Sean Murphy. And then yeah, Carson Kelly would come up there eventually. I, I thought that he would be their primary guy. I, a lot of my shares came before the Caratini um, acquisition, and he, you know he's, he's played a lot. I mean, that, that's been a pretty sp- uh, strict platoon, speaking of which. So um, the Padres obviously have a crazy deep lineup. They have jerks and Profar for some reason, like all, all these guys that they don't even know where to put. Um, I don't know that the DH does anything to help him. Uh, he's not done a lot to, I mean, you're right. He is hitting 270. I think he's a guy to kind of keep your eye on the situation because you may get some surprising production. I think he may end up being an okay second catcher, but there's some variables we need to find out as we get closer to spring training and stuff like that. But right now, yeah, it's kind of a pass for me, I would say for Nola. All right. The um, next, and he does have a couple of injuries. Like I said, he had a knee injury and what was that one that kept him out? The knee injury was the second one. What was the one that kept him out for most of um, most of April? I cannot recall for some reason. I, I don't either, but yeah, he was, he was right off the bat dealing with something. Yeah. I, I, think, I, might, I think he might've got hit by a pitch and broke something like a finger or something. Anyway, let us know <laughs> everybody. I know he's dealing Nobody. something. 14th. Uh, maybe the most interesting guy to talk about here, as far as where he could go is only Alejandro Kirk kind of leaving off where we did last season, where he was going. I mean, his min was 196. His max was 382. Uh, or his, his, no, his max was two, oh, no, his max was three eighty four. So Danny Jansen is the guy that they wanted to start every single day. Alejandro Kirk is obviously the better offensive player. It's like not even close. <laughs> but if you've seen Alejandro Kirk, he kind of looks like former teammate. Um, <laughs> I think it was Dave. Uh, uh, it was on Milwaukee right now. Uh, oh, Vogelbach. No, oh, yeah, Vogelbach. <laughs> no, well, Ra- Rowdy Teles. Um, oh yeah, there you he's, go. There you I mean, go. he's a big dude, and he has to catch. And he he actually missed time, pretty much with injuries due to him being a big dude. Uh, that so I mean, those things are going to happen. Uh, I don't want to call him injury prone. It's just like he's not built to like maybe play a full major league season behind the plate. So even though I, I think that uh, you know we see what his ceiling could possibly be. Again, this year is nothing that he's not blowing the doors off. He's batting two fifty with five, eight home runs over 170 plate appearances. But again, if you extrapolate that out over a full season uh, worth of work, if you're the starting catcher, that is good. It's just a matter of, I don't think he'll ever be in there uh, consistently for a very long period of time without missing time in a season, because I think he's going to get dinged up left and right because he's just, 
you know, he's going to have these big guy injuries. Uh, so I was excited last year, especially where he was going, but I don't know. I'm kind of scared away now. Uh, it'll depend on where he's going, especially if I'm doing a lot of best balls and I want to diversify, I'll make sure I get a fingerprint on there, <laughs> you know, so to speak. Right. But uh, yeah, if, if, if you are in, if you're playing in fewer leagues, I'm not, I think I'd be scared away here. Um, I want to see him. I want to see him healthy for a long period of time um, before I kind of invest in him being my primary catcher. Yeah. For Kirk, I'm kind of with you. I'm a little scared away. Um, the, the hit tool is obviously uh, immaculate. I mean, he can definitely swing it. Um, you love to see the walk and strikeout rates, even at a small sample size that he's got, they're almost even um, around 10. Uh, that's incredible, obviously. Um, but yeah, we want to see him actually play. And we've been talking about the DH stuff. I mean, he's already in the American League, but the Blue Jays are super deep. We don't know where Marcus Simeon goes next year, but still unbelievably deep. Um, well, that's where his value came from, right? Everyone was hoping he'd see some right. DH work, but then all of a sudden they go out there and get Marcus Simeon. They go out there and get George Springer. It's like they go on this freaking roll uh, where they keep adding people. Um, I mean, they're going to who knows if they'll bring Simeon back. Maybe there'll be more of an opportunity next year, but yeah, if um, he, he needs uh, he's someone who would strongly benefit from those DH pets. Yeah, I agree with your assessment. I wouldn't mind getting some of him here and there, but I'm going to be very cautious. I do think the sexy on his name will kind of fade this year. I don't think people will be as into it. So yeah, we'll see what his price ends up being. It's going to be interesting. It all matters if you like ceiling or floor, right? There'll be this big boring tier of players where they're all going to have similar projections and you're going to have to decide whether or not uh, you want to go boring or you want to go, you know, if you want to go upside or you want to go safety. Um, mm -hmm. Next up on the list is Buster Posey. He obviously has a very talented young catcher behind him that does not look anywhere near ready to take over. So, mm -hmm. uh, I just don't know. I, I mean, I think I, I would think, you know, after this year where again, he just bounces back to where, where he was, I don't know. Is this pro I don't want to say it's prime um, right. Buster Posey, but I mean, back when he was like Buster Posey from like 2013 on, he, he had like 500, he had around 600 plate appearances a year. He had 15 home runs, 22 home runs, 19 home runs, batting 294, 311, 318. So not quite there, but 299 with 386 on base, 501 slight, 18 home runs, and only 400 plate appearances, not 600. I mean, I think this is peak. Um, this is peak Buster Posey that we're seeing. It's just that he's older and not getting the at bats. It's like almost if if they would just kick Brandon Belt away, who's always injured. Yeah. Uh, let let him take over some uh, some spots at first. And again, they're not a team with an embarrassment of riches. Um, with, uh, you know, for when the DH comes, so that could come Buster Posey's way. I, I may look at him next year coming in at like 35 years old. He'll be when the season starts. And, uh, I may take a shot here because I think people will discount him again because of the age and they know that the, you know, he has a Bart coming in behind him at some point. I mean, he looks good. I mean, he, he, he hasn't been healthy for the last couple of years. He is now. If, if somehow that 414 can go up because of the DH or first base, absolutely. I mean, let's, let's see what it looks like. I think I'll be taking a shot on, in early drafts if he's not being respected. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to see the Giants uh, do some things where maybe we can get an idea if he's going to get more at-bats. But I think people aren't truly understanding how kick-ass 
Buster Posey has been this year. He's been just as good as he ever has been. Yeah, it's literally right in line with the career norms. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, the strikeout and walk rate are a little bit different. I mean, he's striking out more, but I mean, with the other production. Highest walk, highest walk rate of his career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which obviously does come with maturity as well. But yeah, um, I feel the same way you do pretty much. I mean, yeah, usually I'd be scared off by a catcher of that age, but you've got the DH coming in. Um, I think that he is a good enough hitter that the Giants will likely put him there. And um, he's he's still got great catching ability. I mean, I I want some safety and I want volume out of my catchers. And that's why I tend to gravitate away way from a guy like Gary Sanchez. And even though I do kind of like Mitch Garver, some of these guys who are like, you know, just boppers that could have a season that ends up in ruin if they don't hit home runs and strike out too much. I like guys like Buster Posey who carries a lot more safety in his profile, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, he missed 2020 by choice, but beyond that, um, the injuries weren't really that big of a concern the last few years. You know, he was playing a little bit less, but I'm with you. I think, um, I think there's a chance he could be a top 10 catcher, like drafted as a top 10 catcher or right outside that realm. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm buying. And I think you're right. I, I don't, I don't know how the market will price him, but I'm interested for sure in Posey. Uh, the next two catchers we'll talk about in tandem. Cause the next catcher up is the 16th off the board in FBC leagues was Carson Kelly. Dalton Varsho is not listed till 23, but that's very different because the 90% of drafts had taken place already before main events. And he, Dalton Varsho was being drafted as a top 10 catcher, easy, like across mm-hmm. the board. Um, yeah. But he, at this point, it was announced that he wouldn't be making the team. He'd be going to the minor leagues. So he wasn't drafted here. Um, so we'll just talk about them t- together at this point uh, because they're both going to play right now. We'll see what their long-term plans are in Arizona, but Carson Kelly is, as of now, kind of the everyday-ish catcher, or as Dalton Varsho gets behind the plate every once in a while, but they've been playing him every day in the outfield, which, again, gives Dalton Varsho those uh, those are bats that very few catchers are going to see because, you know, man, you're not getting the wear and tear of being a catcher being in while being out there every single day. Uh, so it's uh, it, he'll be in a unique position to set uh an interesting ceiling if you believe in him again i think he'll probably be priced maybe too aggressively but i the, all the reasons are there there's a difference between having a catcher that catches all the time and gets spelled for the dh and then a catcher who is catcher eligible who doesn't have any wear and tear because he's in, actually in the outfield the entire time it's actually pretty fascinating so anyway breaking breaking it back carson kelly is only batting 231, but again, with 11 home runs, 40, uh, 39 RBIs, and 327 plate appearances. If he was behind the plate the whole year, extrapolate that out, that is, that's perfectly fine. Uh, and Dalton Varsha, we already talked about him. He has the He's pretty much almost met the uh, skill numbers of JT Real Muto in like half the at-bats. So uh, we know what he is uh, capable of. He looked very overmatched last year, but uh, you know, better walk rate, better K rate than Real Muto this year. I would bet on him having a, a nice season. So, all right, <laughs> let's start with Varsha because he's the most interesting guy. Um, Brian, where where do you think he gets drafted? Do you think he's drafted top five? I think there's a very good chance that he is because of, like you said, the volume of at-bats, which with him, we don't have to just rely on the DH. He's already in that position. So, um, And obviously the propensity to, to run. So I think we're going to get that from Varsha. So I think he is borderline top five. Uh, I think there'll be some hype around him because he's been doing it this year. 
Um, I would be intrigued to buy a little bit there. And it's not even so much, it's not even so much. It's just those things I mentioned. It's not even necessarily just his skills. It's just the fact that he may, he's going to play so much at a catcher eligible position. And that really, really pumps up value, especially in an NFBC setting. In terms of Carson Kelly, I think he is a quintessential great number two catcher to have on your roster. Um, you know, he can handle it, of course, behind the dish. He is the primary catcher for a reason. He's probably going to stay that way. And he's capable with the bat. He's not somebody, you know, we're getting into the realm here with the names we're going to be talking about of guys that you just don't want to ruin your second catcher spot. Because yeah. some of them will, undoubtedly. Carson Kelly's not one of them. You know, he can handle it. Um, I like his strikeout and walk rate. His plate discipline's good. 13% walk rate, 20% strikeout rate. So he can get it done. Um, I certainly would like him as a second catcher. But yeah, um, Varsho, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see the price this year. Yeah, I think I, I'm with you on Kelly. I, I think he's a guy that would be great for a second catcher. I mean, this year he has 11 home runs. In 2019, people had 18 home runs. They're hoping for that. But, I mean, he did have an elevated home run to fly ball of around 18. I'm looking at 18.6%. That's definitely above what he's probably capable of. The last two years are 39, 11.6. That seems more likely. Uh, but, again, in, 1100, in 111 games in 2019, he had 365 plate appearances. In 2021, in only 89 games, he has 327 plate appearances. So I think that uh, maybe it's a little in between the two seasons, 18 home runs and 11 home runs, and then he batted 245 and 231. I think his what to expect is right in the middle there. And for a second catcher, that's beautiful. Yep. Um, as far as Varsho, just what I, what I would do, I think in early drafts, I'll, I'll have shares. I think in even typical drafts that are, that are happening during maybe spring training, um, I'll, have, I'll have some shares. I think when it gets to the leagues like the main events, there'll be people that get cute and take him as like the number two catcher uh, or like I don't think they'll take him as the number one catcher, but I think people will get cute and he'll end up going in the first five rounds um, because yeah. if you do your own personal analysis – and your own personal projections without letting the outside uh, crowd in, and you like you know you try to take the names off the jerseys, it'd be hard not to evaluate him to you know to value him as as a top three catcher um, due to his ceiling. And if you look at his growth in plate discipline, his floor all of a sudden looks like very palatable. I don't know, maybe I'm talking myself into this because I think that uh, I mean <laughs> I, it, yeah. I we'll see how aggressive people get. Um, as the season grows closer, but uh, last year I wasn't on board because he just looked awful in the major leagues. He looked very overmatched, but he has fixed that. <laughs> so I mean, I I think I am on board. I, I I think there's a chance he. I mean, you know, this is stupid. I mean, everyone's gonna think this is this isn't me just saying it for like a reaction. I mean, I think there's a decent chance he's the number one catcher next year if we just if he is what we see right here, right? If if these are his plate discipline metrics. And he stays healthy as a primary as a primary outfielder who is catcher eligible. Uh, he should be able to rack up enough statistics. Um, maybe I'm not saying he's the best catcher in baseball. I'm just saying fantasy wise between power and speed. Uh, I, I wouldn't shock it wouldn't shock me if he was uh, right up there at number one. Look, man, I mean, we're in a year where Robbie Ray is suddenly like a Cy Young candidate. <laughs> so, I mean, I think saying that is not really that far of a stretch. So. Uh, I could see it. Yeah, I definitely see that scenario for fans. People, people, people are going to come to this conclusion. A lot of people are, and he's going to be drafted so freaking early. <laughs> he's going to be you drafted so it. early. 
I did, but I mean, it makes sense. It just makes sense. I mean, I'm risk averse, so we'll see. We'll see if I put my money where my mouth is. I will be getting some shares. I don't want to be left out in the cold. All right. Um, Not a whole lot of ton, a ton of fun names left. Jorge Alfaro. Man, he's such a disappointment. I I had, he was always one of my favorite, like second catchers to grab because of kind of the Christian Vasquez thing. He always has that speed. And again, he has eight stolen bases. Not a surprise. This guy's sprint speed is actually off the freaking charts. Um, he, he's an incredible athlete, but this year he batted 244, uh, four home runs, uh, only 30 stolen bases and eight, uh, or I'm sorry, 30 stolen bases. That would be amazing. Uh, 30 <laughs> RBIs, eight stolen bases, um, over 300 plate appearances. He, he's been dinged up. He hasn't actually played a whole ton. At one point, I believe they put him in the outfield uh, because of how fast he was. But I mean, same thing that plagued him. He's uh, He strikes out over 30% of the time. He walks less than 4% of the time. I, I always, he has, he has the plate. He has the ability to be so good. I mean, like his bat speed, his, his max exit velocity, his sprint speed. Like he is a stack ass monster. He just doesn't like have the, I don't know the experience or like the teaching. <laughs> I don't know the muscle memory, what it is. He cannot put it together. He cannot make his body do what it needs to, to connect with the baseball. Um, I'll probably sucker myself in again because I would think after this year, he'll be even more free uh, than he was. So if I'm like, you know, looking, especially in drafting holds where I need to be drafting more than two catchers, I'm absolutely going to be loading up on Mr. Alfaro. Uh, but I don't know. What are your thoughts here? Because I mean, he actually played yeah. enough games in the outfield where he's like outfield and catcher eligible. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'm, I've never been an Alfaro drafter, and I'm not going to start after this year. Yeah, it's just, and it's kind of, it's kind of the Gary Sanchez thing. Now you're right. I mean, he does offer the, you know, he can steal some bags and stuff like that. But it's the Gary Sanchez thing. It's just the risk profile um, as far as it, will he hit the baseball is just too much for me. So I will not be on board in any capacity. Cannot steal first base. Yadier Molina came out of nowhere. We thought. Who is that poor guy that everyone overdrafted? I can't even think. I didn't even draft Andrew him. as a Cardinal can, fan. Can I, Kenizer? Neisner, Neisner? I think is uh, Kinzer. I'm sorry. Kinzer. Kinzer he looked like one of the yeah. best values off the board just because no one knew it was happening. And if it ended up being his job, then it would have it would have been great. But of course, Yadier comes back. He says he wants to come back even again for next season. Um, 255 with 11 home runs, three stolen bases, 62 RBIs. It just bleh, just totally boring. Uh, but yeah, where you yeah. where where you got him was perfectly fine. This is what we were talking about before, where you just want to make sure you have someone that is going out there and giving you some stuff. He'll be yep. completely discounted next year for the same reason. I'll have no shares because I'll find someone else who I think doesn't have an age cliff. <laughs> you know, I mean, there'll be other yeah. options for me, but I mean, he's whatever. He's your perfectly fine bottom of the barrel second catcher. The Tom Brady of MLB catchers. I mean, he's doing it again next year so yeah i i to me he's a good second catcher to roster and i did that a few times this year yeah. um probably not going to hurt you you know with the batting average and you know we're going to see that that's what i was going to say to you if you want to skip to the couple really intriguing names that we see coming up here because i think yachty is the first in a line of a few guys that like you know you got your jacob stallings and stuff like that yeah that are oh here real, of, real real quick i didn't really know who ahead, cares omar navias who cares john gomes who cares Tom Murphy, Danny Jansen, um, Max Stassi, Severino, Jacob Stallings. Who cares? Um, let's talk about right. Elias Diaz, Tyler Please. Stevenson. Let's talk about those two. Let's do it. What do you? Give me your thoughts on Diaz. This has been crazy. 
I, I do actually have quite a few shares of this man. Um, you know, try to stack it up when he has home games, but God, I swear with him, uh, you know, it seems like the home runs come whenever they come. Uh, if you're going to have the reason for his appeal this year was he was being drafted undrafted, like in, in standard leagues and, uh, you know, in right. deep formats, he was still being drafted at the very end. It seemed like he was like a darling of people for a sleeper, but he's just one of those guys who's, who's uh, ADP never moves. So again, the catcher of the Rockies been 236 this year. Again, if you're drafting that late, who cares? It's not actually hurting you that much, that batting average, especially this season with 18 home runs, uh, 50 runs, 41 RBIs over 346 plate appearances. So like absolutely beautiful. Um, I think that is exactly what you need at home. He is batting 276 away 201. But like I said, the home runs seem to come when they came nine and nine. He had 18 home runs, nine away, nine home. The batting average was much higher at home. So if you did platoon him, it was fine. But um, it's not it's it's not like there's any kind of massive spray, even doubles nine home, eight away. The power is wow. very much evenly split with this man. But yeah, if you drafted him as a second catcher, it's beautiful. But um, remember, we didn't know uh, for most of the offseason that Elias Diaz was even going to be the catcher. Uh, there was, again, for some reason, a blanket on names. Uh, there, the, Nunez. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Was it Nunez? They had someone else entirely that was supposed to be the starting catcher that they uh, non-tendered um, last year that uh, everyone t- assumed Tony was Walters? Going to be- Yes. Tony Walters. Yeah, Tony yeah. Walters. Everyone assumed he'd be the starter and they just non-tendered him. And all of a sudden everyone was like, yes, Elias Diaz season. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it kind of turned out to be that. So uh, early drafts, I don't know if I can totally invest here because you don't know what the heck the Rockies are going to do. He'll be cl- he'll be cheap enough where you can just take a shot, especially in draft and holds. Who cares? Uh, but um, if he is um if he is actually given the role and it looks like he's gonna be the starter again where do you think he goes in drafts because uh if anyone has their eyes open he should be well ahead of like be outside of our show he should be well ahead of most of the names we talked about for the last 20 minutes this is another guy and that's why i wanted to hear your thoughts i think there's a chance he's drafted borderline top 10 honestly and oh yeah no way i mean no no i'm not saying he doesn't i'm saying no right. way for me no way and that that's what i was going to follow up with as well yeah i i think there's a chance of that because just like you said there's there's all this hype around him and you know look at the narrative he's in Coors field the dh is coming they have an otherwise not very good lineup so that could actually help him um and the power is there and not a lot of plate appearances. So yeah, if if he is going in the top ten, you can probably count me out. Uh, but I'm I, I honestly think that's what might happen here. You know, you look at some of these names we've talked about. I mean, who would be in front of them? JTR, Sal Perez, Contreras, Will Smith, Grandal, uh, maybe Christian Vasquez. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's going to be drafted top ten. I mean, from what I'm seeing here, I think he'll be in the back end of the top ten. That's so weird. It is. Um, weird. All right, so the the Tyler Stevenson on the Reds. This is interesting because he's he's the uh, battery made a Tucky Tucker Barnhart, whose contract does run up this year. He has a 22, 20, 22 club option. Um, I don't know. I would assume. I think. I think the club option might be for four million, if I'm not mistaken. They'll probably just pick that up. Um, you know, it's it's yeah. it's not a bad rate for a really reliable backup catcher, which he's you know they're not. He's not even really the backup at this point. They're they're splitting plate appearances as far as the bats um, or plate appearances, 368 to 366. That's Tyler Stevenson versus Tucker Barnhart. Um, Stevenson batting 279 with a 364 on base, a 10% walk rate, 18% strikeout rate, nine home runs, 
uh, Barnhart 260 with seven home runs, 46 RBI. So it's obviously like Stevenson is like the better hitter. He's like the future at the position. I like him. I think it might be annoying next year with the at-bats still. I think that Stevenson will end up taking a lot more than just the, you know, a, a 1A and 1B. I think they'll, they'll turn over the reins more to Stevenson. I don't know what they're going to do with the DH. They obviously allow Stevenson to play first base quite a bit this year. So I would think the DH will help him. Um, that, that would be my, my thoughts. Uh, so he'll be someone that I think is firmly on my radar where I think the at-bats will cloud his ADP in early drafts. I think that's when you take advantage once it clears up. If, if it was ever announced, if they didn't pick up the option for, um, for Barnhart for some reason, or there was something where Stevenson, it looked like he was just going to be given 80 everyday plate appearances between DH and catcher. He's someone who I think should definitely be top 10. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think you take advantage early because uh, his, his future is clouded as far as his fantasy ceiling right now. That's the only thing. The Reds have a lot of weird stuff going on. I mean, coming into the year, the outfield, it was like, is Jesse Winker going to play? There's all these bats and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And now all of a sudden we've got this third base platoon between two abysmal suddenly veterans uh, mm-hmm. between Mustakis and Suarez. Like, it's just a weird, weird situation overall there. And then you got Joey Votto. And, Ca- and Castellano, so he, he'll probably be leaving. I don't see them paying him. Um, right. I mean, unless he just wants to stay in that fantastic park. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, it's, it's a confusing team. It is a confusing team. I'm with you on the skills, obviously. I don't know if this is going to be like a Will Smith. I'm not comparing him to Will Smith. I'm just saying in terms of the skills will play out. And I like Tucker Barnhart. You want to talk about like just a reliable kind of plug him in there every now and then backup guy that doesn't Mm -hmm. hurt you too much, but the Reds might think that as well. And again, as you said, that might cloud Stevenson's plate appearances. So we will have to see. This is an ever-developing story through the offseason, but there is maybe a chance to get a lot of equity in where you could get him early on in draft season here. So we'll see. But I'm with you. Yeah, there's a chance he could be top 10 if kind of given the range there. So I like a, a beautiful pair for best ball and draft and hold. If you just want to draft two catchers on the same team late because you don't have to put in a whole lot of draft capital. I mean, I, I would I would be fine drafting both of those guys and and, and rolling with that because if bar, if if one ha- in best ball it obviously would be more ideal in draft and hold you're probably just hoping Stevenson takes it over so you don't have to you know have any kind right. of problem there but I think if you do or early if they're this inexpensive you might as well get some insurance uh, otherwise I wouldn't really you know recommend that too often. Uh, right. So what are some of the best of the rest here? One guy we haven't talked about at all, which obviously we have to, is uh, Mike Sanino. He, he like, mm-hmm. you know, borderline didn't get drafted at all. He's in the 450 range. Everyone assumed that uh, the Tampa Bay was probably not even going to let the man start. Uh, you know, he has a he has a pretty steady track record of being just a massive strikeout machine. And uh, the Rays have, um, who am I calling? Francisco Mejia backing him up and people, uh, very smart people thought that uh, he would just be taking over at some point, but you know, not so fast uh, as uh, Zunino puts on, I don't know. Is it, is this the best year of his career? Uh, let me actually I look it up. Gotta be. I mean, batting 213 uh, well, par for the course, uh, but 31 home runs. Um, yeah. I mean, this is the most home runs of his entire career in the least amount of at bats. So yeah, this, uh, this is the best he's ever done. Yeah. He went it's to the weird. all-star game and homered in the all-star game this year. Super weird stuff. Uh, very rays of him to have this season. Um, I, it's interesting. I, I, this is one of those volatile things where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm, what I'm going to get here. I mean, we've talked about a number of guys kind of like this today. 
Um, I'm not going to be investing. I have no clue where his market will be. Where do you think he goes? I, I don't know anyone. I don't know. I, I have no reason why I, I can't think of a single reason why anyone should draft Gary Sanchez over him. Uh, that that's right, for sure. Right. Uh, but he likes it in Tampa. I would assume they like him. They have a club option, which I think is for $3 million, which is for sure going to be picked up if he's comfortable there. Uh, I don't know. I hate drafting such a bad batting average, but once you get to the dregs, that's what's happening. Um, so, I mean, if he's going to play, um, it's, I mean, you're getting that kind of power and only 355 plate appearances. That's nice. I'd like him a lot more in a daily league, but um, of the guys we were talking about, I think that he does. I think he'll end up, I think he'll be end up sitting in that 10 plus range, maybe not top 10 catcher, but he'll be right there. Like we're kind of, that weird drop-off happened after Vasquez and Sanchez this year. Um, where like Murphy, McCann, Garver, the, the Nola, like that group. I think he'll be right at the, the front of that group. And uh, for teams that maybe were hunting, starting pitching and speed early and want to get some power, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes harder to find um, late, but rather than take a terrible batting average in the outfield or first base, uh, you'd much rather take it a catcher because that kind of like levels the playing field because no one's really not too many people are getting a fantastic batting average at catcher. So, yeah, I think yeah. I think it'll be enough where unless the Rays, you know, can it's the Rays uh, unless they do something crazy, um, you know, or they, you know, decide to not pick him up, which I assume they will. Then I think people will be drafting him around the 10, 11, 12 ish range. And I'll probably want no part of it because I'll be afraid that, you know, he just turns back into what he was. Uh, or Mejia ends up getting more bats. There's just so many things that could go wrong for him, and there's so many more safer catchers behind him. So, yeah, that's where I predict he goes, and I predict I want nothing to do with it. I'm, I'm totally with you on that, yeah. And if the people are drafting him there, wanting the power, as long as they expect or hope for maybe 20 homers and not 31, uh, they'll probably be less hurt whenever they get the results that they get. But, yeah, I, I would not want to be in on that price for Zunino. Uh, any other catches you want to talk about besides, I mean, we can talk about the rookies. Uh, obviously Adley Rutschman will be up probably next year. Uh, again, Baltimore is going to be in last place with or without him. So it's possible you're waiting until June, Sam Huff. Um, you could see him possibly at Texas, same exact situation. Uh, there's, there's, there's some interesting names that we haven't really spoken too much about. I don't know how many that I'll be uh, interested in, in drafting, I think maybe the – how about Cal, uh, Cal Raleigh? Uh, Luis Torrens had a completely uh, adequate year, batting 233 with 14 home runs. Tom Murphy batted 206 with 11 home runs. Do you think that they – you know, they did bring him up. Do you think that there's a chance that Raleigh might be a guy worth throwing, throwing a dart on if they're going to let him run with it? Because Torrens is uh, signed long-term until like 2026. You know, he's, he's there for the long haul. Tom Murphy is still going to be there. He's not a free agent until 2024. So, I mean, unless they're, you know, going to trade one of them, which is a possibility, uh, even if Rally is up, is a, there's a very, very strong chance he's he's platooning with one of those guys as well. And he didn't, you know, perform admirably <laughs> in his 134 right. plate appearances. The majors only batted 167 with like a over 35% strikeout rate. I think some people will take some dart throws on a couple of these guys who are high end catching prospects. It's not, this kind of brings me to my overall catcher approach and strategy for 15 team mixed leagues. Mm -hmm. And I like to have two top 10 catchers actually. And then because I play things in volume, just vary who those people are. So that that's what I like to do. 
Um, I know people, and I'm not afraid to say that because I know there are people who will vehemently go against that strategy and don't care about catchers at all. So that's fine. Um, but yeah, I think some people will probably do that with Raleigh and some of these names. It's not something I would be interested in. And again, we're, we'll have to kind of get some news over the course of the offseason to kind of make a better decision on that for sure. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about like if you're let's just say you're in a, a more shallow format, like would you rather carry a third catcher uh, to try to take a shot on one of these rookies or would you rather have more actionable space on your bench? Because if you just look at some of these guys, like, I mean, Omar Nervaez, he batted 277, 11 home runs. That's perfectly fine. Christian Vasquez, 263 with six home runs. He gets to give you those eight stolen bases. But you're drafting much higher here. If you're going for like a, um, a catcher two, a guy like Max Stassi, he only got 293 plate appearances, but you hit him there, 251. He gives you 11 home runs, 42 runs, 30 RBIs, which is not horrible. Um, you know, are you fine with just like, punting completely and picking up one of those one of those guys where you know the at bats aren't necessarily going to be there uh but they'll give you respectable enough stats or is this something where you just want to make sure you feel that you said you want to go with two top 10 catchers do you feel like you absolutely want to make sure those uh maybe even ignoring batting average which for a catcher is is hard to predict year to year except for the top uh home runs you know you can either fill that or you don't but the 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 big thing i think people tend to ignore to their detriment is the counting stats of just runs and RBIs. The more plate appearances give you a massive edge in those, you know, like uh, James McCann, only 380 plate appearances this year. He only ends up with 25 runs. Uh, you know, uh, that's, that's not good. Uh, so, um, you know, where there is a guy like Sean Murphy ended up with 44, that's a pretty big difference. So uh, you just, you do got to make sure uh, you're playing the plate appearances game and you're not being left with someone who's just not playing. That's what I'm more about. Yeah, I would much rather have a steady Eddie guy reserved than take a shot on something like that. So that's just another reason I like to invest kind of early on with catchers. So, yeah, I, I just wouldn't really take a shot on these guys. If it's if it ends up being like a league winner or something for somebody, that's fine. It's just not a practice I'm going to commonly do to win. Holy crap, we forgot one guy. This is the last catcher we'll talk about before we wrap things up, everybody. Eric Haas. We mentioned his name earlier in the show, but we actually we just glossed right over him. But gotta talk about him i mean he uh he's only batting 225 you wouldn't know it from how the excitement that surrounded him this year i mean i think you have six home runs in three days at one point for detroit 347 plate appearances um again batting 225 with 22 home runs 56 rbis uh even as a couple of stolen bases which are fluky but they they play him all over the place uh including the outfield so um detroit i don't see them filling up their roster uh, next year to the point where he loses too many plate appearances. Um, Detroit says that they are going for it next year, though, if you listen to their coach uh, Hinch, that uh, get on board or we're coming after you kind of thing where they have their young crew and they're going to start adding. They always have like adequate veteran signings like Grossman and, and Shoop. Right. So, but assuming what we know now, um, Eric Haas, he just seems destined to be overdrafted, but yep. there's a chance that, he just turns it turns out to be still drafted too late and ends up being a great value, or he can completely blow up and actually be worthless and someone who's dropped in April. Uh, so I, I'm <laughs> out. I'm out for that reason. Uh, do, are you any more optimistic than I am? I think uh, this is along the same lines as Elias Diaz. Honestly, I, I don't know. I don't think he goes inside that top ten. But frankly, if you look at the numbers, 
it's it's not entirely that difference. Now he doesn't mm-hmm. have the different. He doesn't have the court's field advantage, obviously. And Diaz gets on base more and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> he gets the Comerica but, Park disadvantage. And the, the, exactly, yes. Um, and the uh, AL Central disadvantage. But um, yeah, I think that um, I think that he probably goes in that. I think he probably goes in that 10 to 15 range, maybe though, that we're talking about just based on this season. And I much like Diaz, I will, I will be like what we said earlier. I would not buy in at that price if that's where he's going. And I'm, I'm fairly confident that's where we're going to see him go. (laughs) Hey, all right. That's the end of the show. Everyone thought it couldn't be done. You can't talk about catchers for this long. Yes, we can can talk about any, anything we want. If we put our mind to it. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you you got something out of this. I think in the end, my takeaways are that hopefully JT Real Muto will be uh, actually discounted enough, or where I I will be in this year, uh, unlike past seasons. Again, uh, I always thought that he was wildly overrated for going that early, but man, now I'm hoping that uh, he comes back to the pack and I, I might be in. But yeah. Dalton Varshow, 101. I can't believe I've, I've, I've brought myself to this because I, I was laughing at the people drafting him this year. And now, I'm, now I might be actually like leading the freaking uh, caravan to the 101 pick for him. Um, not that I, I'm saying you should take him catcher overall, but it's crazy. Uh, after going through the show, Brian, any takeaways, anything that um, maybe you changed your mind of or any, uh, any tips that uh, you'd give everyone that uh, just like, you're just your, your general first impression of the, the position going into next season. It's given me some clarity for sure. And I, I feel good about it, honestly. And I think if you don't feel good about catcher, then I think you have to just delve in even more and do some more research to figure out what it is you're going to do, because regardless of how much you might hate it or hate having to draft two of the position, you need to do it. It's part of the game. It's just like when we talk about saves uh, and stuff like that, you know, it, it needs to be done. So I think you need to familiarize yourself. And for me, yeah, I have some clarity and I, I have guys that I think provide good, safe options um, that I don't think the bottom is too low on. So, yeah, I, I honestly like the position. I feel pretty good about it. All right, everybody, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Uh, you can ask us about our show, any of the position uh, ones that we've done. Uh, I think the next show will probably be first base. We'll just kind of go around the diamond, yeah. uh, the reverse clock style. Uh, Brian, where can everyone chase you down if they want to ask you uh, about any of your catcher takes or uh, where they could just find <laughs> you in general? Hot catcher takes are at Brian J. Seymour on Twitter. You can hit me up there and talk some baseball. This is, again, I've been saying that this is actually my favorite part of the year. Some people think that's asinine, but I love the draft prep. This is where I get really excited. We're going to have draft champions probably. I mean, hey, today's September 22nd. We're going to have NFBC draft champions probably popping off in like, I don't know, three, four weeks maybe. So look out for it. Um, I'm pumped for the offseason. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and we'll definitely get, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I haven't even talked to uh, Brian about this. I'm like bringing it up right now for the first time. <laughs> Oh, please. I'm bored. We got to get some, uh, some turn to listener leagues going. Maybe we'll like do some, uh, best balls like every month of the off season and, and get something, yeah, get something going. So we can keep everyone uh, entertained and, and excited going into next year. So, uh, thank you for listening to the turn to podcast. Everybody we will be next week as we continue the ADP review preview with first base. See everybody. My, oh my, put me in coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. 
I know I turned two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The ex flipping whip got me looking way past the pictures. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, Turn two. What it do? Win leaps Catch out Catch out